0: seated if you want to go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be launching from this morning. It's so good to have everybody. I'm glad that you guys uh, braved the snow and the sleet and the hail and the rains and the floods and you got here to church, amen. But we're thankful for the rain and we're thankful for the snow, amen, because God gives it all to us, so we're, we're okay with that. It takes a lot of moisture to keep this place green, so we need that, Amen. If it didn't fall in the form of frozen precipitation, uh, it would be okay with me as well. So, Acts chapter 2. This morning we're going to be launching out and exploring the five different components that I spoke of last week in our Vision Sunday of the Acts 2 journey. And so uh, I'm grateful for all of you that were here last week. I believe it was a wonderful time that we had together. We had almost 100% participation out of our church and had a great meal afterwards, great fellowship. And so now we're going to begin to move into this this, this whole idea of the Acts chapter 2 journey. We're going to explore all the various components of it one by one so that we can better able to understand what God's saying to us and better able to begin to fit that and apply that into our everyday lives. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll read Acts chapter 2. Father, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity. Lord, come before you today and we ask your anointing, God. Father, we need your spirit to empower us, Lord God, to not only speak these words, but to hear them. So open our ears, Lord God, and help us to be attentive, Lord God, to that that you're saying to us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this is Acts chapter 2 and go all the way verse number 42. And we'll begin reading right there. I'm going to read out of the... Uh, the um the passion virgin version so it says every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles their hearts were mutually linked to one another sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders all the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had out of generosity they, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So this morning, let me just remind you, because this is something that's going to happen all the time. You're going to see this. The mission of this church, this is our mission statement. It is to love God it is to love people it is to reach the lost and make disciples that's our mission that's what we're supposed to be doing and last week the question came up you know how are we going to do this pastor this church has been here for a little over 40 years how are we going to do this well we got to answer ask some questions and answer them in our own lives first of all we got to know why it is that we exist why are we here We've got we to gotta know where it is that we're going. There's got to be something out there for us to shoot at. And then we've got to know how it is that we as a church, as a body of Christ, we as individuals, how we have to behave. Because there are certain things that we have to do, certain ways we have to behave. They're called values. These are the things that we hold important as a body of Christ. And lastly, I believe there's got to be a plan. I believe somehow or another we've got to have a plan to do what it is that God has called us here. So we're going to, this is our plan, we're going to follow the Acts 2 model. I believe it worked really well for the first century church. The Bible tells us that they literally reached the known world with the gospel of Jesus Christ within about 70 years. It's just, it's just incredible how they did what they did. They didn't have... A way to mass market things. They didn't even have microphones so they could speak in. They didn't have newspapers. And they did this by word of mouth, by going into their communities and preaching the gospel. They turned the world literally upside down. So if it worked for them, this is what I'm guessing. I think it'll work for us. Amen. I'm just thinking that even though this is about two millennia ago, I don't believe that the process has gotten, uh, I, I don't think it's gotten stale. I don't think it's gotten stagnant. I don't think it's become irrelevant. Are you all there? I believe that it'll work for us today. And so last week I spoke about this. There's five components of the Acts 2 journey. First one is connect. we got to connect our lives together. The next one is worship, and that's praise and prayer. It's being up, upwardly focused. The next one is to serve. We've got to learn how to be a body that serves one another and serves our community. The next one is grow. All of us should be growing. All of us should be. One of the things that I learned early on in my ministry career was this, that if you want to stay relevant, you've got to be a lifelong learner. And one of the things that I try to do is I try to read as much as I can. I try to soak up as much as I can from other people because I want to be a learner. Amen. And learning is growing. Amen. And so we got to grow. And the last component, not necessarily in in order of relevance, but the last component that I want to mention this morning is this evangelism. We got to be a church that reaches out. We have to be a church that goes out into this community of ours and makes the impact with the light that Jesus has given us. So this morning we're launching out into a five-week series of messages and we're going to be talking about all five of these components over the next five weeks. And This morning we're starting with worship. Worship. That prayer, that praise, that upward focus that we need to be about. So starting with worship, this is the question I've got to ask you. What is it that you think of whenever I say, let's praise and worship? What is it that you think of? What comes to your mind? What is it that, that praise and worship is all about? Well, i would be very honest with you. The vast majority of the church today, if I said, let's go praise and worship, they would immediately begin to think about music and singing, because that's what praise and worship is. Many of the service orders that belong to ministers all over our community and all over the United States, their service orders, one of the things they say is, well, we're going to start with an introduction and then we're going to do praise and worship. And whenever that praise and worship starts, that means they got to have folks on the stage with a band and we've got to have folks on the stage singing. Praise and worship is music and singing. That's what is most often thought about whenever we say, let's praise and let's worship God. Well, this morning... I want us to very carefully think about some things, and this is probably the most important. Worship is more than we often think it is. Folks, I'm telling you, worship is a lot bigger. It's a lot, lot bigger. In fact, it's a lot, lot, lot bigger than just music and singing. Please don't misunderstand me. I believe music and singing is so very important and so relevant in worshiping God. But it's so much more than that. If I say, let's go praise and worship God, I have to tell you that that music and that singing is just one little piece. It's just one little component of what worship is all about. In Acts 2, Luke, the writer of this whole book Little section that we read in acts 2 43 through 47 he doesn't say a whole lot about music and singing i don't know if you notice that or not I didn't say anything about music and singing but yet we know that this early church they were great worshipers of god luke has just so minute amount to say about music and singing and worship but i believe whenever you read the scripture He has a great deal to say about how the believers in that day and time, they literally lived a lifestyle of worship. In other words, their whole lives were about worship because a lifestyle of worship is basically this. It's a life lived worshiping God. And so often if I said, let's worship and let's praise God, we think, well, we got to come to church and we got to do it on Sunday mornings. A lot of times, that's all we do all week long as far as praising God and worshiping God. Well, I've done my praise and worship for the week. We did 25 minutes. Jared and his team did a great job. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not downplaying the role of music and singing in our lives. But I'm just saying to us, we've got to expand our thought process as it comes to worship. Worship is a life lived worshiping God. That's what it is. It's life lived. It says daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God. Listen to that. Continually filled. It doesn't just say once a week whenever they met on Sunday mornings. It says they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. They worshipped at the temple daily, and they went about their spirit-empowered everyday lives. Listen to this. They met in the temple daily, but they went about their spirit-empowered, because these folks were spirit-empowered. They went about their... Spirit-empowered everyday lives. Just curious. How many of you all, besides myself, live an everyday life? Yes. I actually live everyday lives. I know I'm a pastor, and you all think that probably all I ever do is pray and read the Bible and preach. But I have an everyday life. Yesterday, I shoveled snow. It's everyday life. Ministers should not have to shovel snow. That's a rule in the Bible. I don't know where it's at, but it's probably there. Every one of us live an everyday life. Friday, I went to the grocery store and bought groceries. I bought things that I didn't have on the list, but I wanted. (laughs) That looks good. Yeah. The great thing about that is I don't have to buy anything for Caleb. No sharing with him. He's, He's down there eating at school, eating that food we have everyday lives but these folks did as well they had everyday lives they didn't just stop everything and and just devote themselves 100% to the work of the lord there were people in here that were working jobs 8 to 5 they were doing things they were farming they were doing all kinds of jobs but yet in that everyday life they were in they were empowered by the holy spirit and this is what they did while they lived those everyday spirit-empowered lives. They worshipped God. All day long, they worshipped God with their lives. And the result of that? The result of them living these spirit-empowered everyday life, worshipping God, was that daily the church grew. Daily, it says. Their numbers daily were added to by the Holy Spirit. Daily growth and God literally through these people established the church as they praised him. Now think about that for a minute. God established his church through these people as they prayed as they praised him. So whenever we say worship, we oftentimes usually think of songs, we think of music, we think of singing, and again, these are elements, if you would, of worship. But they are, they are only expressing that one facet of the concept of what worship is. Just one facet. Just one little teeny facet of what worship is, is singing and music. Um, worship is a whole lot bigger than a song service. Worship comes from the old English word. That is worth-ship, W-O-R-T-H, worth-ship. Now think about this for just a minute. worth and now we've shortened it down to worship. So why is it that that old English word that we get our word worship from, why is it worth-ship? Because for us, it means showing our God the highest value. It means showing him value above all other things in this world that we value him more than anything else in this world. That's that's worth-ship. Are you all there? That's worth-ship. That's whenever you and I get together and then we say there's, there's nothing greater, there's nothing of more value in this planet than my God, and I am going to worship Him. That's the spirit that should empower us as we have worship and praise in this building. But it's also the same spirit that ought to empower us as we live our everyday lives. That there's nothing out there that is more important, that is more worthy than our God. That's what worship is. He is worthy, folks, of our love. He is worthy of our love. He's worthy of our affections and He's worthy of our loyalty. He's worthy of our efforts. This morning, He is worthy. In fact, I'm just going to say this. He's worthy of everything that you and I do every day. That's it. He's worthy not just a half hour on Sunday morning. He's worthy of everything we do. So we have to understand, and this is one of those things where you, you you have to have a mind shift. We have to understand that worship is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's the way we live every day. Worship. I worship you with all I have, Every day of my life. And you go, Pastor, that's pretty unpractical, man. I can't go around my office just singing and praising. I can't carry a band with me for heaven's sake. And you know, they told me I couldn't have earbuds in. So, you know, how do I worship God with my life? How do I make it not an event but a lifestyle? So things we do to honor God. See, if it's if it's just praise and worship and it's just singing and music then that begins a little bit difficult to make it our whole life, our whole lifestyle. But if we begin to expand the idea of what worship is and how we can worship God, then it gets a lot easier. So let me just say this. Things we do to honor God, like singing, I already mentioned that, but what about praying? Praying is a form of worship. So this. Morning, whenever you got out of bed and you begin to say, Lord, I thank you and I praise you and you begin to make requests, you have to understand that is a form of worship. And so it gets easier if you're not just singing, but now you're praying. You're saying, OK, I got two things now where I can worship the Lord. How many of you all know that not only is singing and praying a way that we worship the Lord, but giving is a way that we worship the Lord as well? I'll be very honest with you. We, we really, whenever we receive the offering, we should just have a celebration. And we should just say, man, Lord, I worship you with my tithe and I worship you with my offering. Now, I just got to tell you a quick story because I'm an Assembly of God minister. Now, please don't misunderstand this. I'm glad I'm an Assembly of God minister. But because I'm Assembly of God minister, one of the things they require of us as Assembly of God ministers is part of our tithes and sometimes all of our tithes has to go to the headquarters here in North Carolina. So in North Carolina, the rule is this, that 80% of my tithe money has to go to the Assembly of God headquarter in Selma, North Carolina. Whenever I was in in Montana, 100% of my tithe had to go there so I could not actually tithe to my home church in Montana now this was before Montana but there came a point in time where I really got I really got chapped at the district office are y'all there with me because I was sending them my tithe money and I just I just didn't like it now don't look at me like I'm some kind of horrible person but I I just really wanted to tithe In my local church. Does that make sense? Okay. So I just got mad about it. But here's the thing. If you don't tithe, they'll take your license away from you. They'll kick you out of the assemblies of God. Because it is a hard, fast rule. And so whenever I gave, I had a real bad attitude about it. And the Lord, in the midst of a meeting him and I were having, and by the way, this wasn't the subject in the meeting. I had, I had the floor. I was telling God all about what I needed. And he said, hey, this attitude you have about tithing, he said, it's all messed up. And he said, because it's all messed up, I can't even bless you whenever you tithe. Well, that got my attention. He said, next time you send your money off, he said, I want you to go to the mailbox. And he said, instead of He said, I want you to praise me with that finance. Worship me with it. And so I'm just going to tell you, I would go to the mailbox and I would hold that envelope up and I would worship God with that tithe. And you know, it wasn't just a few weeks at all. My whole spirit changed over that. And God began to speak through uh, his word into my heart about various things that I needed to learn. Are you all there? You see, giving can be worship. Excuse me, giving is worship. And we ought to celebrate it. We ought to say, God, I worship you with this, this tithe. I worship you with this offering. Now, we need to expand it a little bit more because not only is singing and praying and giving, but serving is also a way to worship God. Folks, last week, whenever the meal was over with, we had a bunch of people jump in, start wiping down tables, folding them, up, taking chairs, getting the kitchen all cleaned up. Before service, we had some people over there doing the exact opposite. They were setting up chairs, putting tables up. Serving is worshiping God. Please, please understand this. Because you say, well, how can we do our whole life worshiping God if all we do is sing and, and play music? Folks, it's bigger than that. Serving God is a form of worship. All of these are expressions of worship. Whenever I serve God with, 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 with worship, I mean, whenever I worship God with serving, I'll be able to say it right here in just a minute, We have to understand that is just as powerful as whenever we sing praises to Him. Whenever we give and we worship God with our giving, it's just as powerful as the greatest worship song that's ever been written. Some of y'all are going, I don't know if I buy into that. Folks, I'm telling you, if you're going to make a lifestyle of worship, you've got to learn that each one of these components are just as important as the other ones. So what's kind of the most basic bottom line to worship, Pastor? What is it? Well, Webster's tells us this. Worship is defined as to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I love that. You're not going to find that in any new Webster's dictionary that's out there, but this is one of the ones that they wrote a few days back about whenever some of you were born. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Worship is less about expressions that we use and more about the heart of the one expressing them than we can ever convey this morning. So it's basically this. You say, okay, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to do it like Pastor said. I'm going to serve. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing. I'm going to give. And that list, by the way, is just the starter. I mean, there's a bunch of other ways we can worship God. But you do it with the wrong heart. Because, see, that's what I was doing with my giving. I was doing it with the wrong heart. I was going to the mailbox and going, That's Greek. I'm not going to give you the trans- translation. It was all the wrong heart. And believe me, I've served with the wrong heart before a couple of times in my life as well. <laughs> yeah. I've got down here a few times and that's Hebrew. But it says to honor with extreme love, extravagant love and extreme submission, to honor him. Whenever I got called into full-time ministry, I felt like it was only going to be maybe three or four days until I was in full-time ministry. It was a Sunday night service. The Lord spoke to my heart, called me into the ministry, and I just felt like it was just going to be a matter of days until I was there. Y'all there? Uh, Five years later, (laughs) I'm still not in full-time ministry, and I thought that kind of stunk. In fact, I thought it really stunk. I didn't I didn't like what God was doing in my life. I didn't like how he was dragging his feet. And I told him about it. And some of y'all go, why'd you tell him that was stupid? He knew it anyway, because he can read my thoughts. Um... I hated to go to work. I worked at an underground mine, and I hated it. I hated it because I wanted to be in full-time ministry. Every time I'd go to work and get on the cage and go, "Eh, eh, 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 eh," because you ring this bell, and then the hoistman knows, and he lets you down. I hated it. I just hated it. I hated it the whole time I was on the way down. I hated it the whole time I was underground. I hated it whenever I was coming up. I just hated it. And this is what the Lord finally told me. He said, listen, he said, you're never going to be in full-time ministry until you can learn to do everything unto me. Because oh, I knew what that meant. It meant that I was going to have to start going underground and loving what I was doing. Because I was doing it unto him. Extravagant love, extreme submission. He told me, he said, You're not ready to go into full time ministry. It's not time yet. And so I had to begin to shift my thinking. And, man, whenever I was down there working on a greasy, nasty, horrible mess that some stupid operator made, sprayed hydraulic oil all over the ground, and there was no way that you could fix the machine without laying in that hydraulic oil, got it in my hair, got it on my shirt, got it on my shoes. It was unto you, Jesus. Changed the whole way I looked at things. I came to work happy. <laughs> People go, he must be on drugs because he hadn't been that happy in a long time. That's it. Extravagant love. Extreme submission. And it's about, it's about our heart more than our expressions. Because I'm telling you, you can serve all the days of your life, but if you do it with the wrong attitude, it doesn't work. It's not worship. It's about that one, that one, capital O-N-E, that one to whom you and I are giving that extravagant love to, you and I are giving our extreme submission to. In Psalm 96, 9, this is what it says. It says, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. And so you go, well, why Why do I have to do everything unto him? Why do I have to give him that extravagant love? Why do I have to give him that extreme submission? Because of this. It says, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. In In a word, we worship God because he is holy. That's it. That's all we need to know. He's holy. He's a holy God, and we worship Him because of that. Our worship is is the direct result of you and I getting a hold of the only right outcome that you and I can have by serving God, and that is worshiping Him with all that is in us. Our worship, whenever we give it to God, it may take many different forms, but ultimately worship is about demonstrating the sincere heart that we have towards this unequal God that we serve. So David gives us a real insight into worship in many of his psalms. But this morning, Psalm 63, if you want to turn there, we're going to read the first five verses. Psalm 63 is just a real good look at how David, the man that was after God's own heart, David was a worshiper of God. He knew how to worship. So he gives us this little insight. Psalm 63, verse number one, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirst for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness, it is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with, with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Worship is the expression of our hearts as we give glory to God. Worship is our expression. That's That's it. That's the way we express ourselves to God is with worship. I believe the church over the last many decades has gone through a lot of phases. How many of y'all know the church has a lot of phases? Whenever we remodel our sanctuary a few uh, months back, one of the things that was asked me said, well, pastor, are you going to paint everything black up here and get a whole bunch of lights and smoke and stuff like that? And I just said no. I said, "Well, we need lights and smoke because there's some churches that are doing it. Man, they're growing like crazy, Pastor. Man, I'm going to tell you something, folks, and and don't misunderstand me. I'm all for that lights and smoke thing. I'm I'm okay with that. I I would attend a church like that. But if we changed." This sanctuary, based on every phase that has come out over the last 40 years, we would have changed about every couple of months. Amen? And I'll be honest with you, you don't have to have lights and smoke to really worship God. In fact, you don't even need to be in a church building. You can be living your everyday spirit-filled life, worshiping God with all different kinds of methods. So the church has gone through a lot of phases. A lot of different musics have been out there. One of the things I'm kind of I I sprung this on Jared the other day, and he's he's pretty young, so he may not even know exactly what I was talking about. But I thought, you know, it'd be a great time to get together as a body of believers and do like a worship service that is devoted to songs that have gone by. Let's say let's do a let's do a a, a whole night of all the '70s worship songs, and we could throw in a little disco music for some of you all that like the Bee Gees. Okay, so. I'm just joking about the Bee Gees. Okay, I mean, just do because, folks, I'll, I'll just tell you something. We've left a lot of really good worship songs behind. I'm saying, I'm saying that we there's some good ones out there. And I thought it'd be great just to do 70s, maybe one month, and then maybe a couple months later do the 80s, and then the 90s. And and for some of you, I know you're saying out there, go, what about the 40s? I go, okay, we could do that too. <laughs> And you that are saying in the twenties, I'm not going to do it for you. Okay, just forget that. Church has gone through all kinds of phases, all kinds of different music, but in but in the midst of all of those phases, there are often forms of worship that are literally left by the sidelines. They're they're left. People, you know, we, we we're doing this. This is this is our style. This is the way we're doing it. I mean. Whenever I first came here, I know you guys aren't gonna believe this, but there were actually people who went to this church that did not like me. There's three of them that are still here. We're just seeing who's gonna outlast who. I'm joking. But one Sunday morning after the service had concluded, a lady came up to me and you know, we'd had a we'd had a really powerful worship service. I mean, it was it was great. And I'd preached and and she came up to me and she basically said this. She said, um, she said, I'll be real honest with you. She said, you quenched the spirit of God this morning whenever you preached. And so, you know, I'm all ears. I'm going, OK. She said, I think you probably don't need to preach. We can just do praise and worship because it was it was powerful this morning. It's all praise and worship. And she said, I'd be fine if you didn't preach at all. And I said, I'd be fine if you shut up and left. And I didn't say that, but that's what I wanted to say. I said, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. That's what I've been called to do is preach the Word of God. And any time that you elevate worship over the Word of God, we got a serious, serious problem. Amen? But in the same sense as that, A lot of times what the church has done is we have great worship services and and yet we forget about evangelism because evangelism is a form of worship. Whenever you and I go out and we tell other people about this amazing God that has got a hold of our life, let me tell you something. We are lifting up our voices. We're lifting up our hands to worship Almighty God. Folks, we got to understand that all of these components are important. They are ways that we worship God. And you say, "Well, evangelism, I don't know about that." Well, folks, I tell you, just as powerful as evangelism is a form of worship, discipleship is a form of worship. We got to dis- we've got to be discipled. The average churchgoer says Sunday morning service is their chief source of discipleship. Folks, this, as this whole Acts 2 journey progresses, you're going to learn that you're going to be able to walk into Trinity Church and you're going to find all different ways that you can be discipled. And we're going to get demanding about some of these things. Some of y'all go, going, well, you know, I don't want to take a leave it. You're not going to be able to do that because you're going to have people knocking on your door. You're going to be people sitting in your car whenever you come out to get into church. They're going to be sitting there all night long waiting on you. You're going to get in and put the key in and they're going to sit up in the back seat. Hey, we got a class for you. We'll do it, trust me, because discipleship and evangelism and connecting our lives with one another, they are, they are a way that you and I worship God. Whenever I say, I want to grow up in you, Jesus, and I want to be mature, I'm, I'm going to put away childish things, that is one of the greatest praises that we can give our God. That's the way you live a lifestyle of worship. I mean, basically what that lady was telling me is we want more time to praise and worship. We want more time to singing and we want more time to music and we want less time for you to teach and less time for you to preach. We don't want you to preach, just praise and worship. It doesn't work that way. It makes our bodies anemic. Our bodies, the whole body, because if we're not doing all five of these components, our bodies will not work like God intended for them to work, and please, I got to say this again, music is a wonderful way to worship. I love music. I love good music. I love good worship music. My daughter came into my office this morning. She said, Dad, have you heard this song? I said, Nope. So she's got it on my computer ready to play. So whenever I go home at lunch, I'll pull that thing up and play. Because I love good worship music. I love good worship songs. Yes, amen. But that's only one form of worship. We've got to be able to take all five functions that God gave the first century church and not do kind of a multiple choice kind of thing. Not not get to pick and choose what we want. Well, I really love to sing. I really love to worship. But that evangelism thing, I don't like that. Folks, I'm telling you, God does not give us a choice. There's there's prayer, there's evangelism, there's discipleship. Worship in all of these forms. Like the song says, and I'm going to read these lines. It says, Lord, I come to you today with a simple prayer to pray. In everything I do, let my life, O Lord, praise you. Powerful lines right there. In everything that I do. And folks, if you limit your worship experience to just music and song... Your life has no possibility of being able to praise Him all day long. Hey, that's a song. I should write that. You see, folks, too often the church makes church about themselves. But we've got to make church about Him. It's got to be about Him, not us. You know, what kind of song style do you like? You know, what kind of worship music do you like? You know, what... What, do you like hymns or do you like courses? Do you like new songs or old songs? See, anytime we ask questions like that, we're we'll making it about us. Because really and truthfully, it's kind of like this What exactly does God want today whenever the music begins to play in this church? What does God want? Does he want a hymn? Well, of course he does because I love hymns. Or does he want just a course? Well, I like courses, I don't like hymns. So that's what he wants. No, God wants our hearts turned to him. And I'll be very honest with you. You can worship God with any style of music. I can remember going down to Chihuahua, Mexico, and we were invited to be a part of a dedication and a church service there. And we went and the guys that were leading worship in a little tiny building. I mean, literally, their building was smaller than this center section of Pews was. And it was packed. It was built over the dump in Chihuahua, Mexico. And I mean, it was just the stench of all of the garbage rotting was incredible. But I want to tell you something about 40 Hispanic believers came together in that little bitty church. And they raised the roof off of that place. We were in there, and I'll just tell you, they had one guy that had a guitar with an amp, and it was turned up about four times too loud, and he could not play very well. And there was another guy that had a ring out of a transmission that was a gear ring about this big, had a little cord tied to it, and he was whacking it with another piece of metal. He was their whole percussion group. But I want to tell you people that they praised God and they worshiped God. They made me feel bad about we having a whole band and a whole bunch of choir members on the stage. Are you all there with me? I mean, they 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 did it right for him. And the reason is. Is because it was all about Jesus. It wasn't about them. So we can really worship with any kind of style Any kind of musical instrument for heaven's sake, man, if Jared got up here and played the kazoo, we could worship to that. If our hearts are right. And it's all about him and not about us, because there would be some people in this room go, I don't like kazoo music. So it's got to be all about him and not about us. But now this next line, I want you to kind of catch a cold of it because it's written kind of funny. The church has to be about him and them. Them. So we already talked about it being about him, not us. But it's also got to be about them. And you go, well, what's, who's them? Them are the people that are outside this church. Them are the people that are yet to know about Jesus Christ, the ones that you and I should be building relationships with, the ones that you and I should be going to with the light that God has put in us and illuminating the darkness of their lives, them. It has to be about him and them. You see, the minute that you and I get focused on us, and that's what so often we do as a church is we get focused on us. It's all about us the many years that we put this sanctuary aside and we said we're not going to remodel it, we're going to send our money to missions and we're going to send our money to this work and we're we'll going to send our money to this work. We could have remodeled this sanctuary many years ago, but the board just felt like there were so many other things that we could have done with our finance besides remodeling this sanctuary. And I'm I'm grateful to be a part of a board like that because it was about them, not us. Because the minute that you and I get focused on us, we're going to begin to do a very lousy job of worshiping worshiping Him. Whenever we get focused on us, that's whenever we really start doing an awful job of worshiping Him. And that's whenever we begin to do an even lousier job on reaching them. So this morning I'm here to just tell you this. I want to be A good worshiper of God. I want to be a good worshiper. I mean, think about this. If I die, and you know, I'm buried somewhere, and you know, i got one of them headstones. I just told my kids just to write them out with Sharpie, you know, on a little rock or something, and just stick it there. That's okay with me, because I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus. I don't care what kind of marker you put on my grave. Y'all there? So if I die and you got that Sharpie out and you're making a little rock into my headstone, I really would like to have somebody write on there. He was a worshiper of God. I don't I just like that being an obituary. Whenever you guys get the paper, you know how y'all do. Let's see who died. Oh, Pastor. Sorry. I want it to be in there. I was a worshiper of God. I really don't want you to put my hobbies in there. Well, he was a golfer, played a lot in the rain. That's significant to me and Tom. I just, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be known in heaven as a worshiper. And folks, I can't just be a worshiper. I can't be a worshiper of God by just worshiping Him on Sunday mornings during the time whenever Jared and his team are up here leading us in worship. I want to be a good worshiper. And so this morning i got to ask myself the question, okay, Watson, how in the world can you worship God more fully than you worship Him today? And, and, you know, there's this question. How, How would you worship God this morning? If you didn't sing. I mean take it away. Take it out of the equation. No singing. How are you going to worship God? How are you going to do it? You start singing. I go. ah. Can't do it. No singing. No singing. How are you going to do it? Well it's again. We got to go back to that same equation. We're going to worship God. The way we live. In our lives. It's a lifestyle. So it's like this. Let my life, O Lord, praise you. That's the words to the song. Prayer is one of the ways. I mentioned this a moment ago, but I want to elaborate on it just a, just a couple of minutes. Prayer, it's this amazing Powerful form of worship. Talking to God is one of our chief expressions of worship. Worship is this uh, is is this tool that God gives us to connect to Him, and prayer is this tool that He gives us as worship to connect to Him. So Psalm sixty three one through five. Let me read it again. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. He's talking about praying there. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. This dry and thirsty land where I have no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because if your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. So we have to be a people who is about worshipful prayer. Think about this. Instead of just saying, I'm going to go pray, say this. I'm going to go do worshipful prayer this morning. I'm going to do worshipful prayer every time I'm before the the Holy God of this universe kneeling in prayer. I'll be honest with you I believe prayer is a, is a is a real expression of personal hunger. What I've noticed is whenever people are really in a bind they pray more. It's true. Oh man, I'm telling you, I've seen okay, I've done it myself. I've been in a bind. And man, I'm telling you, I I I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. I mean, one time I had almost had an accident and seen it coming. And immediately, whenever I seen that car fixing to hit me, I, I not only started to pray, but I started fasting right there and then. Some of you will get that later. Prayer is this amazing thing that God gives us. And we shouldn't wait until we're behind the eight ball. We should be praying every day, just talking to God. For heaven's sake, I talk to my dog. She runs out to the car every time I come home, and she just wants me to pray. I say, how are you doing, Mala? How are your day going? I mean, if I can talk to my dog, I should be able to talk to God. Amen? Thank you. So prayer is this expression of personal hunger. And I really believe that that hunger comes to us by by saying, God, I, I want my life revitalized. I want my life energized. I want my life filled with your power. A man named Gypsy Smith was asked how to start revival. Basically he said this. He said, go home, take a piece of chalk, um, draw a circle on the floor. And whenever you get that circle drawn, I want you to kneel down in that circle and you begin to ask God, God, start revival in the middle of this circle. And he said, whenever he's answered your prayer, revival has begun. That's what prayer is all about. It's saying, God... Do with me what you need to do with me so that my life can be what you need it to be. Prayer is this amazing, powerful way that we worship God. Another element of worship is this. Holy Spirit-empowered preaching. Folks, we need, we need preaching that preaches the word of God. Ministers not holding back because of political correctness. Because, you know, now our website, we, my sermons are now on podcasts and they, they have to go through Apple and Apple screen the content of my messages so as to be able to actually put them on their Apple iPad or iPodcast. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't care if Apple wants it or not. I'm going to preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Powerful preaching. It also, we need spirit-empowered music. There are a lot of talented people. A lot of talented people that can play music. In fact, years ago, whenever we were in Montana, we had very slim pickings as far as music is concerned. And I talked to a man that was real familiar with worship teams. He led worship teams all over the United States, all over the globe, really. And he told me, he said, listen. He said, well, I'll tell you what you do. He said, go down to the local bar. That's what he told me. I love the guy, but this is one of those times I did not follow his advice. He said, go down to the local bar. He said, because they got people down there every Friday night. They're playing and singing. And he said, hire some of those guys to come and play for your church. He said, hire them. And I said, no. I said, I just really don't want heathens on the platform playing and singing music. And he just could not understand that. Because, folks, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather have a piano player that just can't hardly pray, be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, than somebody that can play circles around him on, pla- on, a, on a piano. Are you all there with me? It has to be Spirit-empowered music. Our worship experience should begin long before the first note ever played on a piano. Our worship experience should begin long before the first word is ever spoken of a message, and that is in prayer, because nothing happens before prayer is made. I mean, have you ever thought about this? The stuff that happens here on Sunday mornings, we should take it home with us. We really should. It should follow us home. It should, it should follow us home. Before anything happens, we're praying. Before any word is spoken, before any note is made, we're praying. And because of that, things that happen in this ministry are going to follow us home. You say, well, what are you talking about? See, most of the time whenever we leave church, that's the last where we speak of a sermon. Maybe you see me at the back there. Oh, good sermon, pastor. Good sermon. That's great. I don't remember what it was about, but it's good. Good." No, it should follow us home. My goal as a children's pastor was whenever kids got in the car going home with their parents, because this is the standard question that parents would ask, is what did you learn in children's church today? I didn't want them to say, uh... We learned about Jesus. I wanted them to tell them, Man, pastor brought some kind of flame throwing thing in there. Man, he threw flames up at the ceiling and the alarm went off and the fire trucks came. That actually happened one time. But I'm just telling you, you know, they ought to have some experience in our lives that that we go home talking about. We ought to have some experience that takes place through the music and worship of this church. That we go home. Have you ever have you ever had that song just lodged in your spirit, and all day long you just sing it and you sing it and you hum it, and you may not know all the words, but man, you just it's just got you. Sermons that just churn you day after day after day. This is what I'm saying. This stuff ought to follow us home. The only way that it's going to follow us home is if it is fueled by the Holy Spirit, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that power comes through prayer. Anything that this church does has to be Holy Spirit indwelled. So you and I ought to seek to honor God through our worship. We should seek to love Him extravagantly. We should seek to submit to Him completely. That's why we raise our hands and that's why we kneel and, and that's why we do all of the various things that we do. These expressions of worship, we're honoring God through our worship. Let my life, oh Lord, praise you. My whole life. Not just these few minutes that I devote to you on Sunday, but my whole life. Okay, now, what if there's somebody that would come up to you after this morning's service and say, you know what? I didn't get nothing out of worship this morning. Absolutely zero. A couple of them new songs, I never even heard them before. I got nothing. Zero. I mean, what would you do? Would you immediately go to Jared and say, Jared, it stunk. It was awful. Or maybe we should think about this. See, whenever somebody doesn't get anything out of worship, this is what I'm thinking. Their focus was incorrect. Because it's not about our personal experience, it's about Him. And I've been in worship services before, but I'm just going to be straight with you. I didn't even have a clue what they were singing. Didn't have a clue what they were playing, but I had a great time of worship. Does that make sense to anybody but myself? I mean, I had no idea. I'd never heard any of the songs they were playing. I can remember one time being a part of a funeral, but it wasn't a funeral. It was like a homegoing celebration. This place was wild and crazy. And they were singing songs I had never heard before. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't understand what they were saying. I couldn't understand it. The acoustics in the whole church building was so bad, I couldn't understand it. But I will tell you this, I enjoyed the worship there. I enjoyed it. Somebody, somebody needs, somebody's enjoying calling you. Jared, if you'll come this morning and help me close this. Our life focus is worshiping Him. And whenever you lose that focus or whenever you pick and choose what components that you like best, it's going to impact the ability of us to reach out behind, beyond these four walls that we have here. It's going to affect our ability to maintain that outward focus that God has called us to. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to affect the way you and I build the kingdom of God. And so this morning, let me just repeat this over again, because I think it's so important. Let my life, O oh Lord, praise you. My life, my whole life. Let my life, O oh Lord, praise you. Because, folks, I want to be a great worshiper. I really do. I want to go through my whole day and my whole day is a series of events. Just one link after another in the chain of my life that I worshiped God all day long. That I can truly say whenever I lay my head down at night and I'm ready to go to bed about seven o'clock, I can say, God, I spent all day worshiping you. And some of you may think, well, he must have just been in the sanctuary with his praise and music on all day long. And no. I was out doing what God has called us to do as a body. I worshiped him through evangelism. I worship him through prayer. I worshiped him through music and singing. I worshiped him with all that I did all day long. Because worship is bigger than what we've been led to believe it is all of these years. Not only do I want to be a good worshiper, for you to scribble that in with that sharpie marker, on my headstone but I want this church to be a worshiping church oh I'd love to be known for great music and praise I I would love to be known for that I believe we got powerful praise and worship here but it goes so far beyond that I'm just praying God make us a church full of men and women young people that worship you with our lives.